Welcome to the Financial Liberty Podcast. Until you wake up from the American dream, financial uncertainty will be your American reality. Join Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto and their guests as they explore how you can attain financial liberty by uncovering truths that have been kept secret for decades. Have you ever played a game and didn't know the rules? How can you ever win? Learn the rules to the game and in turn, learn how to win. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Financial Liberty Project with Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto. Today, gentlemen, what are we talking about? We're talking about a lot of good stuff. Hey, we Coast. As always, yes, we are, Sam. How was your weekend? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, it was uh, it was pretty interesting, even though it was about five days ago. So we're a Friday. So what are we going to be doing this weekend? <laughs> I don't know. We, you know what? We'd like to talk about the weekend. So no, no, no. So last weekend for me, it was just another big golf tournament. You know, with Caitlin being the big golfer, and uh, you know, just trying to figure out what's the parallel between sports and money, but. And there's always a parallel. And I think in her case, it was just like, you know what? You just put your, you put, you put your focus into what you're trying to get done and just whatever comes your way as a distraction, you just keep going. And so she ended up having a pretty, pretty decent tournament on the second day, first day, not so good. But you know what? A lot of people are challenged with uh, trying to get to retirement. And so you could have, you know, one day where you got things coming at you. And then the second day you just keep going, you know, you don't change your game plan. You just make sure you have a plan. And eventually that plan gets you there. It keeps you on the, uh, it keeps you in your lane. And so yeah. that, I would say that's the parallel between my last uh, weekend and, and what we talked about. Well, you know, we've always said it like, you know, golf specifically, it's like one of those, the, the sports that really fall in line with regards to what goes on in, in life mainly. Again, you got all these situations that, I mean, really all sports in general, but, but golf, you know, you, you hit a ball off the tee. And um, the whole the whole goal for that particular hole is to get it into a certain amount of strokes. If it's a par four, you got to you know hopefully get that ball in the hole, you know, in four strokes. And you know just as well as I do that ball can go anywhere. It can fly into the water. It can go out of bounds and go in some type of hazard. It can get plugged. It can get lost. And and it's kind of like how life is. You never really expect things. Oh, well, you expect things to hopefully go the way you would like for it to go. But a lot of times when you uh, wake up in the morning you find yourself trying to find your your lost ball. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I think it was Roy McElroy. My daughter loves Roy. <laughs> I, I tell her, I go, hey, how's your boyfriend doing in, in, in the game? And magically, you know, he, he, I remember him winning, I forget which tournament it was, it might have been the Masters, where he just had this wicked game and he was on top of the world. And then he disappeared for, I don't know, a few years, it seems. And he just, just seemed like he wasn't going to be, a game changer um, anytime soon. And all of a sudden he came out of the woods and he's been doing really well. So, you know, my daughter's really happy with her boyfriend coming out and dominating the sport again, at least for this period of time. Wait, that's but, her uh, boyfriend? Yeah, that's her boyfriend. Oh. Roy McElroy. But yeah, he's come back and he's, I think he won, then he uh, won the players just recently. And, and so he's back on top. And, and that's the thing is, you know, you know, in retirement planning, just managing money, there's always going to be something coming at you and throwing off your game. But uh, as I said earlier, you, if you follow a plan, you have a plan, you follow it, and you're disciplined, it will, the plan will keep you in the lane. You may veer off and hit a few speed bumps, but uh, the plan will keep you keep you in the role. So. Right, right. And that leads us to our topic today, because it's, you know, some of the biggest things that destroy retirement. And, you know, there's a lot of things. I mean, we can probably stay on here for the next 24 hours and we can talk about so many things. But what we did is just really come up with a good four or five 
to uh, to highlight and to talk about and discuss because these are the these are the the, the items that we have found uh, since you know we've been doing this and since I've been doing this for such a long time is what actually does potentially ruin a a uh, a vision for retirement. And, uh, I, you know, with, with no further ado, I guess we can go ahead and start with number one. And, you know, we, we say this a lot of times, Coz. You know, we're, we're in meetings, we talk to people, we're in front of a, uh, so many people at some time, and we always say that, that uh, to a certain extent, overspending and debt uh, happens to be the, uh, one of the biggest things that destroy retirement. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's this yeah. way. It's going to remain this way. And unfortunately, uh, people just don't get a good grasp of what goes on. And I think it's because they don't truly understand it. No, I mean, we, you know, I meet a lot of people. We meet a lot of people. And, um, you know, in the course of helping them, you know, we, we see uh, things that, you know, most people don't see about other people. And that's their finances. And it's, an, it's, it's just an interesting experience, right, Sam, to see how people have basically conducted their financial life over the last 30, 40 years. And there isn't a week that goes by where we, you know, we meet somebody that is in the category of what you're talking about, where they completely misconducted in, you know, their management of debt. And the outcome is very, very consistent. They're, it's very difficult to retire and it's very difficult to stay retired when you have a debt situation. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, we we were talking this morning, and I think we were bringing up a person that uh, that we know who had a very sizable amount of money, and I think they had indicated to you that they're, they're you know they've been taking about I don't know four or five six thousand dollars out a month out of their retirement plan, but they're also still working. But I think you they told you that they only have thirteen thousand dollars left of the six, $700,000 that they were given a few years ago by, by this one large company. And, and you and I, we just, we see it all the time, but it's still mind boggling that a individual can leave a company with a sizable retirement and, and lose it all um, just from the standpoint of spending. And, and again, you know, they, they, they really have enjoyed their lives over the past six or seven years, but it's going to be at a cost, right? I mean, the guy's still young. Yeah, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it's perplexing. I mean, it's just absolutely mind-boggling that there are people that just, you know, you can, you can tell them, um, <laughs> you know, this might be a bad way to explain it, but you can put a bar of gold in front of them or you could put something else that's completely like the worst thing on the planet. And I don't even want to get into some examples because that now when now we get kicked off the air for being non-compliant, but you can put a bar of gold in front of somebody who's not very smart and something that's just absolutely, you know, um, offensive, disgusting next to it and tell them which one would you rather have? And I'm sorry, but from my perspective, I have seen a lot of people not choose the bar of gold. They'll choose the other thing. And I'm not saying this necessarily comes out of a dog or an animal, but that's kind of <laughs> like the, the, you know, the gist of it is like, come on, man, we're telling you, you are going to hang yourself with the noose if you make the wrong decision. And they'll look at us and smile and go, well, you know what? We're going to still hang ourselves with the noose and we'll leave the bar of gold on the table for somebody else. And literally that's not much of an exaggeration. Now, I don't know what goes on, Sam, and sometimes, you know, in, in people's minds, they've got a lot of things going on with family, with, you know, finances and all kinds of stuff, but the math just simply doesn't lie, and there's nothing that you can do to fake out math. It's going to get you if you let it, so. 
Anyway. Well, you know, with this guy in particular, I mean, you know, we, we, we've spoken to him and, 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 you know, he's a good acquaintance and, and it was funny because he has $750,000 he got several years ago. Well, a few years ago, nice retirement plan. They, they gave him money to leave his company and, and uh, he always complained that, that his money's going down and to the fact that he was overspending that, you know, him and his family, they were doing all these things and they're enjoying themselves. And he tried to put a, a lid on it, right? Cause he tried to put a lid on this and he tried to stop the spending, but unfortunately, you know, just, you know, the culprits happened to be family members. But at one point, I mean, here's the thing. At one point when the, when that the 600 or 700,000, whatever it was he was given, when that amount of money goes down to 300, at one point, do you just like say, stop it? Enough is enough. I mean, 300 went down to 200, 200 went down to hundred. And now he's down to 13,000. It's like, at what particular point where, where is there no pain threshold? I mean, to a certain extent, you kind of almost want to say, are you dumb? You know, well, I mean, what happened here? You know, I don't know, Sam. I mean, we're, we're, we're I think this is turning into a psychologist show, but um, you know, there's a thing called the death wish, and and I've had people say my retirement plan is death, and so I'm just going to go ahead and I'm um, I'm going to spend down, and and when I'm out of out to, or when I'm on my on my last dollar, I'll figure out what I do next. But um, there there is some sort of there's I don't know. I just can't explain it, but. What do we see? What what kind of things do we see, Sam? What what kind of specific habits are we seeing that lead to this sort of you know outcome? Uh, you know, are we talking about family related issues, or what, what would you say are the is one of the top leading causes of this kind of problem? Well, I think the very first thing that we've covered many times is the wealth effect or the lottery effect. Is that most people that win the lottery go broke after about three years because it's such a large amount of money that they receive that they've never had much training in in dealing with that type of money. So that they end up buying all the things that they've they've harvested in their minds, like they that that you know that BMW, that Mercedes Benz, that that new kitchen, that big old house, that that wardrobe from uh, Rodeo Drive, the, the trip to Europe, the trip to Australia, and they're able to go ahead and say, now that we have this money, we can do all the things that we wanted to do. Not really understanding that, you know, it, it's if you're not disciplined, it's all going to go away. And that's that lottery effect mentality. So a lot of these guys are retiring and they've got this big check, but they've never been trained. They've never been taught what to do with a very large chunk of money. And for, for many of us, a lot of, a lot of professional athletes, we, we know, go yeah. experience. Yep. Yeah. Through a lot of professional athletes go through the exact same thing. And a lot of it's just, you know, again, it's uh, what we have discovered. It's, it's, a uh, it's not the first time. It won't be the last time we see people on a regular basis, uh, go through this, this lottery effect, this mentality where unfortunately they, they, um, they become a bank. And I think what you and I, we talked about not long ago, was um, the, the one of the worst things that some people can do sometimes is to advertise how much money that they've received <laughs> because right. people come out of the woodworks, right? You know, you know, they come out of the woodworks, they go ahead and have their palms open to you and say, Hey man, I really need a lot of help, dude. You got to help me out. And you know, you're a nice guy and you're trying to help family out and you want to be the godfather. You know what I mean? And right. So if you're, if you're the guy that's been driving around a, let's say a, uh, um, you know, a Toyota, a Camry, just an ordinary, you know, decent car. And, uh, that, that's your, that's how, that's what you're known to drive. And all of a sudden you show up in a Maserati and the, the Camry's gone and you're, you know, you've got new, uh, new really hot looking with the, the name brand sunglasses and you've got slick back hair and all of a sudden, you know, you're like halfway to Presley Elvis 
and you're showing up, people don't even know who you are. Well, guess what? Those people still know your name and they're going to say, hey, he's got some money now. Target, let's put a bullseye on his back. You know, now, now you got, now you got uh, the ex-wife coming out of the woodworks. Um, you've got, you know, uh, hey, you know, I'm being asked to pay more child support. I'm being dragged to court. Um, you've got creditors going after him. And uh, if you would have just, just, you know, <laughs> laid low, you'd been okay. Right, Sam? You know, I think it's a lot, you know, has a lot to do with, with to a certain extent, the homeless effect that's going on, you know, uh, where we live around and, you know, nationwide, the epidemic. And I remember speaking to a family member who is a, a, a high ranking officer uh, at a police department. And, and he was indicating that, that uh, from their experience, because he was in charge, put together a project that tried to employ, put these guys back to work. And um, he was he was perplexed as to why these homeless individuals weren't weren't um, taking these applications that were basically guaranteed jobs. And he, he, you know he, he ran into one, and one of them said, "Well, I don't want to know. I don't want anyone to find out where I am because not only do I owe." child support and alimony, but I also owe the IRS a tremendous amount of money. And if I end up getting a job, I'm going to have to provide a social security number. So I'd rather stay incognito. And so to a certain extent, you got, you kind of have to almost, if you've got this, I mean, I'm not saying for everyone, right? Cause, but for, for some individuals, if you know that you've got a large group of family members or just people looking to potentially get handouts or maybe to uh, that, that, that maybe, you know, they, they think you owe them something. It's probably a smart idea to kind of make sure that you don't necessarily buy the Maserati just yet. <laughs> just wait till tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, you can wait till tomorrow. <laughs> so that's one of the things, right? So it's one of the biggest things that destroys a, a retirement dream, just a retirement is, is overspending. And that's common sense. I think, you know, you, you just spend way too much. Advertising new wealth that, that you're not used to. I, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Try to be old money, not new money. If you can be old, yeah. money, you can be good. I don't know what other things we talked about, you know, sometimes parents have this, this sense of guilt where they, they didn't do something right, raising their kids. Now the kids are in their forties kids having problems, they don't have a job, and, but the parents still feels like they got to help them out. So they buy the, the unemployed kid that's 40 years old, a brand new car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that happens. Or they assume the student loan debt because they feel bad. They, they, they weren't able to provide the college tuition. You know, there's this, I, I don't know if it's guilt or what, but there's, there's so many cases of, of, of kids being bailed out. I mean, they went through the education system, they have college degrees, but their parents still feel like they need to to take from their own retirement in order to satisfy some kind of thing lacking in their lives in relation to in, to their kids. And yeah. you know, yeah. whether it be a, you know, a $75,000 wedding when something for 5,000 would have been just as fine. So, I mean, you can think to be creative and think of all the different reasons that uh, you know money can be spent on kids for the wrong reasons but that's a big big category we see a Huge lot of category yeah. and you, you mentioned weddings you know you mentioned weddings and there's this peer pressure out there that if they're you know some some of these people are they're they're they they know and they've been hanging around a certain group a wealth group that they that they rub elbows with they they go to parties and they they uh, go, they're invited to nice places because they know someone that's uh, that it could have been a friend maybe back in high school that made it big and and there's this pressure to keep up with the Joneses and if you know the wealthy individual spends a hundred thousand dollars on their daughter's wedding and even though you can't afford it 
um, you're going to try to do anything you can to get a fifty, seventy-five, eighty thousand dollar wedding for your own kid because uh, you you have that element that that pressure. I guess we all talk about you know keeping up with the Joneses, but it happens. We've seen it happen many, many, many times. And uh, you know the problem is is that the only solution to that is just really self discipline. It's a it's a it's a solution which which you got to understand what the end result is, is, is you know, if you still believe in the fact that you want to wake up and not have to worry about money, you got to keep that at the forefront of your mind and make all these stupid decisions go away. These stupid choices that are constantly being triggered and in, they're, they're constantly in front of us. I mean, again, cause we keep telling people, you and I know this really well, that every single day you walk outside the door, someone wants something from you. And it's just really a function of just keeping the self-discipline in mind and understanding the end game. Right. You know, and um, I've got another example here of, of something that eats away at a person's wealth. This is actually a fairly recent thing that came to my attention through somebody I know. And um, uh, the person, okay, so I, I, I'm just going to say it. The lesson learned is, if at all possible, never co-sign for somebody. So I have, a, I have a, an acquaintance Ooh. who uh, uh, went through divorce. I love the divorce stories, right, Sam? The uh, the ex-wife wasn't able to generate income of her, of her own to you know make ends meet, and just insisted that her ex-husband, who is a person that I, I I know, that he needs to co-sign on an apartment that she needs to get. And um, long story short, when she left the apartment, there was nothing wrong with it. But after she left, <laughs> the fire sprinkler system went off in their in, in her unit. And destroyed part of the building, and the association decided that um, they were going to sue the person who's the ex-husband, never lived there, was but was a co-signer, and uh, is being sued for several hundred thousand dollars worth of damages. And Ooh. so he's having to retain an attorney, and you know how how expensive that can be, and um, he's having to go to court now. I asked I asked him how can you be how can you be held responsible for a fire sprinkler system going off. It turns out the valve went bad and instead of suing the manufacturer, they're suing the the tenant, the non-tenant who who ended up being a co-signer. Why? I don't know. How they can do that, I don't know. I'm not an attorney. But um, you know, if he loses the battle, <laughs> he, he could be on the hook for a hundred, you know, several hundred thousand dollars. But at the very least, let's just say he wins the battle. Uh, if he wins the battle, he's going to be spending a tremendous amount of just angst, pressure, just stress, and also money, time, money, stress, dealing with something that he shouldn't necessarily right. have to deal with, right? Right. So, so that tells you, I mean, co-signing happens, but you got to really choose the individuals. And even though sometimes you can choose the individuals that you co-sign, sometimes, sometimes things just still happen because yeah, it's tough. It's tough. You know, I know, I know. So let's, let's move along here. Let's say, okay, so we got the overspending part and I probably have to say Coz is that number two, that the other part is job loss. You know, that that's another thing that it's, it's one of the biggest things that destroy retirement for obvious reasons, but not necessarily for the reason that everyone in listening right now would probably believe. Um, mainly, I would probably say if, uh, you know, when it comes to job loss is the fact that, um, you know, we, we've experienced individuals, we know people that lost their jobs or given a severance package, right, Coase? And this, this severance package was a hefty amount of money that they were provided on a monthly basis for some of these individuals. I'm talking about a certain situation. And uh, it was a severance package that lasts for a good 12 months or was it 18 months, maybe a year and a half. And they were getting to the tune of what, five, $6,000 a month. It was a, it was a nice golden parachute that they, that they had. So they lost their job. They're receiving five, six, $7,000 a month. 
And uh, in the, in, when the severance package was over, they ended up, uh, you know, they were so used to not working and not really lifting a finger, but they were definitely used to that income coming in that it really caused a, a significant dent in whatever retirement dreams that they had. So the, these are things that, that often, that, that often happen. And I, I think um, what, we, what we try to tell people is just because you have a severance, uh, one, of the, one of the very first things you want to do is you want to try to have that mentality, that self-discipline to not touch that severance and almost make pretend that that severance doesn't exist and try to find a job as quickly as possible. If in fact, that's what your uh, situation is, is making you do is trying to find a job. Right. Unless you're independently wealthy. You know, and I think, I think what, what doesn't happen is also part of the problem. So a lot of these people will go into retirement with a plan. They li- literally have a plan that they can pull out of a filing cabinet and, and it shows them what they're, you know, what they're, what they're spending and what their income is supposed to be based on their retirement assets. So, and what happens is that that plan ends up just staying in the filing cabinet for like two or three years. They don't pull it out. They don't look at it and they don't compare their actual conduct of, you know, spending and, and receiving income versus the plan because um, they just don't do it. They're just busy having fun. And, but if they were to just, you know, once in a while, maybe every quarter, just compare, okay, this has been my spending for the last quarter. The plan says I should be on track for spending this amount for the year. Am I on track? Am I close? And, uh, and, and, if, and if you, you know, if, if you're, you know, deviating significantly, then that activity should just alert you that you've got an issue. But I think people a lot of times just don't want to look at the plan because they would rather live with their head in the sand, not facing reality that they're, you know, they're, they're violating the plan. And now you multiply that by two or three years, they've got some serious issues that may be very difficult to recover from. So big time issues, right, man? I mean, we've seen so many people, man, that uh, I got to tell you, I, 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 um, you know, sometimes I see this and, and, you know, it's like I get, I'm getting punched in the stomach. I, I feel for these individuals because they're just feeling so much pain because they, they now know, oh, they made a significant mistake, but they don't have the, the last 18 months to, to get a do over. And unfortunately it happens more often than not. I'd probably say maybe, you know, 30%, 40% of the people that we run into that are, that experience, maybe higher, that experience a situation where they're getting a severance. You know, they, they, they feel comfortable and they go that all the stress, I mean, it's this, right? So they, they were under a period of stress. They left the company. They were asked to leave the company. They got this, this, uh, the severance and they figured, okay, let me just take 30 days off, man. I got to decompress, dude. You know, 20, 25 years of doing the same thing, being under so much stress. I'm just going to decompress and have fun for the next 30 days, which they're entitled to. But the 30 days turns into 60 days and the 60 turns into 90. And then we're talking to them and say, hey, man, so did you find a replacement job for that income that you've, uh, you've, you've lost? No, not yet. I'm really trying, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet. And, and, and oftentimes, we warn them, friends warn them, and they say, hey, that severance is going to run out. But they get so used to it. You know why, Coz? I think it's because we're creatures of habit. Once we get into a position where it's habitual and we're not having to wake up and work and we're still receiving the money, uh, that habit kicks in of not doing anything and, and receiving right. that money. You know, Sam, I think part of it, or sometimes what I, what I think I see is I think I see an attitude from some of these people, not all, but some of them where they actually feel entitled 
to receive this, the amount of income that they want, not realizing that the, the source of that income is the bucket of retirement assets that they have in their, in their name. They own it. And they're just not really wanting to face the, the fact that this is their money and it abides by the rules of math and physics and there's no way around it but they feel entitled to it. And so they will go ahead and deplete it because of that sense of entitlement. And, and that's very, you know, it's, you know, I guess, I guess you can argue whether, whether I'm right about that, but that's the sense that I get is, well, you know what? I don't, I don't care if the math says I'm going to run out of this, of my retirement assets in a, in a, in an X number of years, I still want what I want. And that's, that's the end of our conversation. That's a problem, but um, you know why it happens. Again, you know, not a psychologist, but I—that's just what I—I I think I see is is, is sense. Well, I, I think you know we're we're as close to being a psychologist as we possibly can because we see people. We go, hey man, how many times have we said to an individual, dude, it's game over if you keep doing this, man? I mean, you got two years left, or one year left, or six months yeah. left of a lifeline, and they look at you going, yeah, 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 I know, I know, and you know what, I'm gonna stop. And then the following week, they say, hey, I need another 15. Yeah, right, right. What's my next check coming again? <laughs> and, you know, I, I, it's, we laugh about it right now. And, and people who are listening to this are probably going through the, the, the trials and tribulations that, that, uh, that we're talking about. Uh, we're not laughing at your situation. We're just we're 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 laughing at the stupidity of the of the situation. Not at you, but if you really think about it, you know we all have a reason. You know we're all we're we're all going to make up a reason to justify our actions. And like you indicated a little bit earlier, it's a function of understanding what your end goal is, what the end game is. What is it you want to do? If you want to wake up and not have to worry about money, you're going to have to access and, and tap into that self-discipline that you probably have not been able to do for who knows how long. And that element of self-entitlement, we see that all the time because we see people saying, well, I left that company and that company, I, I deserve the $7,000 a month I'm getting. And you're right. They don't realize that that 7000 is yours, dude. And if for the next 12 to 18 months, if you didn't spend that $7,000, what is that? 7,000 times that by 18 months is what? I mean, $96,000. You know, if you didn't spend that hundred grand, you know, you could, you can allow yourself to grow that over a period of time, reach critical mass and be a very happy person. But you know what gets me, man? What gets me a lot, Coz, is, is the, uh, I'm trying to get a job. Oh, yes. You know, um, it's, um. I guess it's all psychology here, but people really kid themselves. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's laziness or just not wanting to face something that's difficult to do. But I mean, who who really wants to, you know, when you're so close to retirement, really, I can understand why you wouldn't want to just, you know, go ahead and, and work another 10 years because you're so close to winning. But the, here's the thing is if you don't do it when you know you need to do it, you're going to deplete the thing that's gotten you so close to winning the game. And um, anyway, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying. And you know, they're not trying, you know, it's just not happening. And then a year or two years goes by and, and, uh, and they still haven't found that job. Right. So I don't know. It's uh yeah, that's what gets me. So let's move along. Let's move along. I know we talked about overspending. We talked about job loss and, and, uh, but you know, some of the other biggest things, and I think this is a big one. This is a really big one. 
And uh, you and I, we have some experience in this, and so do about 55% of the American people that are married. They've got some experience in this as well, is that divorce. Divorce can definitely destroy a retirement vision, a retirement dream, or just your entire retirement if you, if you currently are in retirement. And I, I got to tell you, I mean, it's, it's really, you know, it's not a laughing manner, but again, we're here, we're, we're going to go ahead and make light of it. And, but, but I got to tell you, I mean, I, I can, from, from firsthand experience, Coz, is, is that, uh, you know, I've gone through a divorce and, uh, and it was interesting that that divorce actually didn't cost me a lot of money. Believe it or not, you know, the initial part when we got divorced did not cost a lot of money. That was over 15 years ago. And, uh, but what did cost a lot of money was the, the antithesis after the divorce. Well, afterwards, when, you know, my ex was involved with a brand new, in a brand new relationship and this individual from a brand new relationship decided to go ahead and take complete control of their life and did some, uh, did some crazy things and made things very difficult that long story short caused a very long custody battle. You know, and this is after the divorce and after the custody was all settled. And you were there, you know, every step of the way, Coz, and you saw. And, and you know, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Coz, is that, you know, for all of you guys listening out there or in gals listening out there, if you're, I think everyone knows this to be true. If you can, if you can handle your situation pretty, uh, pretty quickly and effortlessly do it, you know, but um, if you're dealing with, with an individual that's got fangs coming out, it's, it potentially could be, you know, significantly problematic. Right. You know, um, if, if you have to go through divorce, if you can do it where both parties agree on the terms without having to involve a group of attorneys, but you, you know, just between you and your soon to be ex spouse can agree on what, how you want this to go. You can just go to a single attorney to say, look, this is what we have agreed on. This is what we want. Draft the documents and get it through the court system. And you'd be done with just a few thousand dollars. You could also have that done through a mediator, which is, you know, uh, another way. Mediators are, are awesome because they really just slim down or uh, stream, streamline the process and streamline the costs. But if, if, there's a, if there's contention and you've got, you know, you've got to go through a battle to get it done. Well, man, you're talking about some serious outlay. And then, like you said, like, like you said, you know, it's, it, it's because the divorce is final. That could just be the beginning. <laughs> yeah. The conclusion yeah. of the divorce could just be the beginning of yet another series of very, very difficult and, and costly experiences. So, Right, because you just don't know who enters someone's life after that and, you know, could potentially be life-changing for everybody. And, and uh, but I will tell you this, I will say, you know, uh, and it's a testament actually to something positive that I like to go ahead and note, uh, make a note of. The fact is, is that if you've got an individual who's, who can't see straight and just is so cross-eyed, you know, just so cross-eyed, they just can't see straight, you're in for a really <laughs> rough ride, man. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, you know, they always, they always say you can't reason with an unreasonable person. And, uh, you know, your, your best bet is to many times just, you know, just stop and, and eliminate it because there's just no winning that argument. But at the same time, the argument is just so nutty and it's going to cost you a tremendous amount of money. I mean, really, everyone's got a different, we're all different, you know, we're, we're all different in, in, in such routes. But the positive, the optimistic part I want to say is that individuals, good or bad, if your focus is so strong on something, ultimately you will get what it is you want unless the other individual's focus is greater than yours. And if the individual's focus is greater than yours, 
then that person's focus is going to win out on your focus. So it is sometimes good to be cross-eyed that you can't see straight sometimes, but you got to do it. You got to do it. And you, you just got to do it within, within, uh, within reason and be smart about it, you know, because there's one thing I want to mention this because this actually came up. So, uh, you know, a lot of people, they have all these assets and they say, Hey, you know what? I, I can't get divorced. I have all these assets that are, I have to split in the divorce and we can't do much with it. So I can't finalize my divorce until my house, you know, the, the real estate, the rentals, our retirement plans all taken care of. And, um, you know, what I discovered in this entire process is that there's a term that's called bifurcation. Uh, bifurcation of a divorce allows spouses to become legally divorced before the details have been finalized. So a lot of times some, someone might want to decide to get married or something, or there's a custody situation transpiring and, and they need to get divorced before all the details are handled. And bifurcation happens to be the one aspect where you can do that, not necessarily have to wait the, you know, the next two or three years for, for you to be divorced. Because I know a lot of people, they have the, they carry out these very long divorces. And the reason is because they've got so many things that they got to work out first. And uh, you want to talk to your attorney about bifurcation to see if that's a benefit to you to go and speed things up so you can be divorced. So anyways, I mean, you know, yeah, there's to, another, there's another um, angle to this too, Sam, in, in regards to um, divorces. So there's a social security, social security aspect to it. Um, there's a rule called the 10 year rule in social security. So if you are getting close, but not quite there in terms of being married for 10 years. So let's just say you're married for nine years and, and 10 months and, um, and you, and you get divorced. Uh, you may have shortchanged yourself um, in terms of some benefits that may be eligible in the future through your spouse's record. So it's called spousal benefits. So just be aware of the rules, you know, not just with Social Security, but just things in general. There's so many rules out there. So you, if you don't know the rules, which most people won't, then you want to be aligned with somebody who is familiar with all the different rules. But in Social Security, there is the 10-year, you have to be 10 years married in order to, uh, to be eligible for spousal benefits. So if you're right there on the cusp of being married for 10 years, that's just something to think about. <laughs> so yeah, I'm telling you not to, you know, not wait, to- Wait, so you're saying that, hey, if I'm married for nine, nine years and 364 days, wait another two days. I'm not saying anything. I, yeah, I, it might be. I, you know what? I'll say it. Wait for two more days. Take a vacation. Take a Saturday <laughs> and Sunday. Go have fun and then go ahead and get divorced. I'm, I'm just saying be aware of the rules. So anyways, I think uh, we're hearing the call of the open road, goes, And um, it, it appears that the most exciting hour in podcast history has uh, come into an end here. So uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Do we have anything else to say about the, the biggest things that, that can destroy a retirement plan? I know we only mentioned three. There, there's, a, there's a lot more, ladies and gentlemen, but, you know. Oh, gosh. There's, yeah. No, I, I think we'll end up talking for another half an hour or so. Yeah, we got to move along. Guys, I think this was awesome. I love listening to you. One of the things that I, I just kept going around and around in my head is that whole uh, somebody's got severance and then they're dipping into some retirement because they're used to kind of having that time off. That's a double. It's, it's like a drug, but double the drug because number one, you've eliminated the stress by not having your job, right? And then you're spending extra money having fun and doing a vacation. So number one, you eliminate stress and then you create way more endorphins by having all this fun and spending all your money down and that's something to think about. That That's not a good, no bueno. No bueno is what I say. So. 
there's 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 cases where people will form a gambling habit. You know, Absolutely. Which they didn't have time to gamble when they were working. Now they got time and they decide I'm going to go, you know, bet on black. <laughs> and pretty soon they they like, well, I got to make up for the losses. And they That's turn right. into, you know, a habitual gambler or you, you got drug addiction. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Time, t- having the time can become a problem. But anyway. Yeah, that, that's it. That's it. Thank I you guys for your time, in fact, uh, today. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you all for listening to the Financial Liberty Project podcast with Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukumoto. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Sam and Co's come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at the Financial Liberty Project, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. It's that time again where the call of the open road makes its way. We hope good fortune finds you on your own personal road. And until next time, we thank you for listening to the Financial Liberty Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.